0: And welcome to our podcast, Time of the Month, where Laura and I, and usually a guest, joins us for a conversation about women in Scripture. And today it's just me and me, Laura. How are you doing, my dear?
1: I am doing well. Um, thanks, Linda. I'm just actually I came back um, from a wee break. I had uh, me and my wee grandson Alfie were down at a caravan in Craig Tara last week so that was great fun um but i came back to lots of work <laughs> oh
0: that's the thing about having a holiday you come back to mountain well where's craig tara down at air oh lovely Aye,
1: uh-huh so people all know it from um after of a certain
0: age and they used oh. to go to butlins <laughs> uh-huh. very good uh-huh. well can i get you the end your secret I would live in a caravan all my days. I love caravans. And I don't know if it's just because of lovely memories of having caravan holidays, but there's something compact about a caravan. There's something about a caravan that you have to keep tidy. Yes. <laughs> and you have to have a, a place for everything and everything in this place. And that, that appeals to my need for uh, order in the midst of chaos.
1: <laughs> I, well, do you know we Alfie kept saying to me? He's like when are we going to go into a real caravan, Granny Laura? And I'm like, this is a real caravan? No,
0: one that we can move. (laughs) So he's
1: wanting to go out on the road.
0: (laughs) You need to get a tow bar on the end of your wagon, girl, and and get a wee two-person caravan and just hit the road. Wouldn't that be bliss? Uh, Well, it would be my bliss.
1: Oh, I have, uh, and my Michael, he's always, uh, uh, Michael's my son, for those who don't know. Um, Michael has always had a thing about caravans ever since he was a wee boy. He would definitely live in one. But I think he would have liked it of like, you know, back in the day, whenever they were getting towed by ponies.
0: Oh, right. <laughs> I he think he's a Ireland. gypsy
1: boy at heart. <laughs> he
0: needs to go to Ireland and hire one, one of those caravans with a horse. You can oh. hire them and there's a, the coal fire and everything inside. <gasps> the big wooden fire is gorgeous. Oh, I'll yeah. need to get onto that then. What's your holiday for next year girl
1: yes aye aye family holiday out there oh so how have you been linda what have you been up to
0: oh i've been well just uh i was in ireland uh, northern ireland a couple of weeks ago for a week i went to conduct the wedding of a wee boy i've known since he was in his mother's womb Aww. and how old do i feel <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh. that was the best wedding i've ever been at and it was full of youngsters but it was also full of old crumblies like me folks that i hadn't seen for 30 years who I was in the youth group in church with. And it was great to catch up. And it was lovely to meet their children because, you know, I've been a a bit of a gypsy, a bit of a wanderer myself and Uh been around a wee bit and haven't been at home for a long time to see those folks. So it was lovely. But, you know, you're getting old when you don't want to get up and dance at the disco because the music's just noise. You know that... And I, I'm looking at my pals, we're sitting at the table and our, we can hardly hear ourselves think, never mind, talk. And we just start <laughs> laughing. You know, the kids love it. Let them get on me. It was oh. just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was lovely. And the, they hosted me in a beautiful suite of rooms Oh, and a very posh hotel. And I had a four-poster bed. Oh, mm-hmm. lovely. Oh, no, oh listen, I thought, it, I thought it was like going back to the, the olden days. It was great. The only problem was there was a banging door all night. Ah. and so oh, but you know what are you going to do the kids are having a good time you let them get on with it you catch up in your sleep another time don't you that's and it was lovely answer. so thank you for asking and i'm, I'm going on holiday again in a week's time because i've got three lovely friends coming from the usa and a couple of them want to do castles mm-hmm. so we'll have to do the castles but then one of them wants to do other things which will please me and then we're we're here for a few days in the northeast of scotland and then we're going to to Northern Ireland and to Donegal, and that'll be good fun. I look forward to that. So really excited about all those things.
1: Aha, Oh, uh-huh. well, that sounds wonderful, that really
0: does. So shall we get down to work, unless of this blethering?
1: Yes, aha, uh-huh. this is why um, everybody's tuned in yeah. to hear us um, talk about, um, well, this week um it's um, Sarah and Hannah, isn't it, Linda? It is,
0: we're, we're doing two more of the seven prophetesses of Israel. And friends, we want to let you know that the two that we're not doing um, are Deborah and Esther, because we've already devoted individual podcasts to them. So if you're curious about Deborah and Esther, then go into uh, the archives on the Sanctuary First website and have a wee nosy there. So Sarah and Hannah. Yes. What do you make? Do you want to tell us a wee bit about the story of Sarah? Just a wee brief overview, please. Oh,
1: well, I'll, I'll try to be brief. I'll try to be brief, Linda. People can find our story in um, Genesis, so they can. Because it's um, a really um, huge story. Um, so Sarah is the wife of Abraham. So she is. She was originally called Sarah. That's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And um, they were... Um, so I think they were related, weren't they?
0: Um... Yes, I believe Abraham was her half-brother. They shared the same father, but not the same mother. And although that would be considered incest, I think nowadays, I know it's illegal uh-huh. to marry that kind of relative nowadays, half-brother. Um, but it wasn't until later in the book of Leviticus where I believe that that was condemned and folk um, basically were not allowed to marry their brother or half-brother. Mm-hmm. So yes. before before Leviticus, this this was okay. Uh-huh. So um they
1: went off. So they had God had told Abraham that he had to leave his country and his father's house. So they went off to um they left Ur, isn't it? Because that's where they had Ur of the modern... Chaldeans, yeah,
0: right in uh-huh. the River Euphrates, I believe, wasn't that the
1: river? Yeah, it was
0: yes. modern day Iraq, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: So Abraham left with Sarah. And his nephew Lot, and like all that they had, um, and they, they set off, um, and they went to Shechem and Canaan, and um, there was a famine, um, and then there was, uh, they went to Egypt, and there I think now if I'm right, um, Sarah caught the eye of the Pharaoh. That's right. That's yep. right. Yeah, and uh, she had to say that she was um, Pharaoh's. Uh, no, she had to say she was Abraham's sister.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So yes, and then um. Then whenever Pharaoh realised that Sarah was actually Abraham's wife, they they had to leave uh, immediately, and when they were, Sarah was uh, childless, um, and she couldn't have children. And so she had said to Abraham to take um her handmaiden Hagar um as like a is like another wife, really, isn't it? Really? Um, and he had a child with her called Ishmael. And then we have a. Uh, the, there's this great story of whenever they were visited by strangers, mm-hmm. um, and they were actually angels, and they say now so Sarah was hiding in the she was behind the scenes, but she had heard them um talking, and uh, the the angels had said about how she was going next time they came by, she was going to actually have a child. And she's an old woman by this point well past the age of having children and so she
0: nice yeah, she's so
1: high a good age anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, so she she laughs at this but it is indeed happens that um God um does um bless them with Isaac um and uh, they then uh, she's jealous though. Of Hagar and Ishmael, and then um, convinces uh, Abraham to send uh, Hagar and Ishmael away, um, and then we have the story of Isaac um, as well, where Isaac. Well, I, I I have um I have thoughts of my own about this. You know, if Abraham really did hear God saying he had to sacrifice Isaac. Um, but all all is well. But actually, it's after this that that Sarah dies. But it's a, it's just like that is just a, a really brief overview yeah. because her story is actually like very complicated and mm-hmm. very you know quite dense. You know, we could spend ages just talking on like you know one little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm.
0: Well, thanks for that brief summary. Um, I find it interesting. I was reading some of the, the Jewish understanding of who Sarah was. Mm-hmm. And um, in the story where they're going down to Egypt for the famine um, and in the story there, Abraham hides her in a box. And yes, say, you're my sister. And the officials, of course, see her and say she's beautiful. So in, in, in the Judaism, she is considered to be the second most beautiful woman ever. Of course, Eve is the first one. Eve is the first one. And she's more beautiful than Rachel and Rebecca. Um, and and the men, of course, when they see her fall madly in love and say, Oh, she'll be perfect for for Pharaoh, as if she was a box or a piece of jewelry, you know. And how they honored and elevated physical beauty in those days. Well, I suppose Mm -hmm. not a lot's changed, has it? Um, No, not really, no. (laughs) But interestingly, in the Jewish version of the Sarah story with Pharaoh um pharaoh has before they consummate their marriage pharaoh falls victim of being falls victim of of plagues and he calls sarah and says to her what's going on and she says well i'm actually his her i'm actually abraham's wife and of course pharaoh goes crazy and sends her back to abraham with with of course he paid for her with sheep and gold gold yeah, etc Again, like she was a, an item rather than a, a human being mm. made, made in the image of God. But it's interesting that the, the Jews um, not only see her as a woman of great beauty, but as the woman who is the greatest influencer of other women. And I think it's, it's lovely that they don't see the negative aspect of her mocking the three visitors who came to Abraham and in that story actually Abraham's recovering from a circumcision and that's why he's not out and about doing his business, that's why he's there to greet the three strangers. Yes. Um, and so she's laughing and that's why she called Isaac Isaac, because it means laughter, doesn't it? huh. Uh-huh. Uh, also in in the changing of the names uh, they all, the, the Jewish writings were fascinating. They were saying that her name Sarai means my princess. And this is what Abram, before he became Abraham, Abram called her because she was specifically for him. Um, but when God changed both their names uh, to Abraham and Sarah, Sarah apparently, according to the, this this uh, Jewish article, Sarah means the princess, so she no longer is exclusive for. Her wisdom, her beauty is no longer exclusive for Abraham, but it's for, uh-huh. for the
1: world. So Uh-huh. So it's this, it's that becoming like a matriarch, isn't it?
0: For exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. Like,
1: you know. Uh-huh. I do you know actually, I had um I, I will admit, right, I am not a fan of Sarah. I really I, I really don't I well I I haven't liked her. Mm-hmm. And I say haven't because I actually think a lot of this um probably is based on a mistranslation so as, um now and just like you know because different different translations of the bible can sometimes you know it can just be we one words you know that changes your whole interpretation That's and true. so for me my big issue with um Sarah and and it's funny you say about how you know they see her as having an influence over other women because it's a treatment of another woman which means that I I actually don't have any time for her or I haven't had any time for her and then I was like and so it's like a treatment of Hagar and actually getting her sent off and and and, and Ishmael as well because you're thinking well he's just a young boy um, you know that's to me, that's despicable that you would do that to another woman. And also, like as a woman, giving your husband mm-hmm. another woman, you know, like yes. as if she's just nothing. So mm-hmm. these are my issues. But when I was looking at um but you know, some of the commentaries now, and it, it might have been actually like maybe some, I think it was a it was a, it was a rabbi that had been writing, and this is what made me think. I'm like, oh this is strange. But they were talking about how she had seen that um, Ishmael was, you know, being mean, you know, to, to, oh, yes, baby, yeah,
0: yeah. to
1: baby Isaac. Yeah. And that was what caused her then to want rid of him, you know, to get rid of him. But well, it was a bit extreme. It was a bit, a bit extreme. Because oh, he's bullying the baby. There's
0: other ways to handle
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But... was like, so I was looking and I'm going, but it says playing and in my Bible, you know, I'm going it says, but like the, you know, Ishmael was playing. She's seen um, Ishmael playing with um, the the young Isaac, and I'm like, well, why would she have this, you know, reaction? You know, a kid's playing with, you know, her kids, and then I looked at, I looked at the Authorized King James, and it's he was scoffing. You know, he was like mocking them and uh, that and I'm like, oh right, so there's something which she's seeing here as something actually a bit more sinister. Um
0: I think you're trying to harmonize. (laughs) Do you think so? You're trying to harmonize because you love the Bible. I love the Bible too, but I think (laughs) you're trying to make it sweet because oh Sarah couldn't do anything bad. No, I I would ask if there's any Hebrew scholars out there. To tell us what the, the word is because I mean, the authorized king james version you know there's there's different interpretations nowadays with with uh, i suppose better scholarship uh hasten to add
1: uh-huh. well but, i would uh, really it's made me want to delve deeper linda i now want to know what the hebrew actually means well, because give the, give the, out, the
0: hebrew commentary out in uh-huh.
1: you uh, got a hebrew text i want to know because I'm like, no, I'm like, well, maybe then there's, there's maybe, maybe something behind it, but I just can't, I just, I just find that a very difficult woman to like.
0: Yeah, I I do too. But what we have to remember is we're sitting here in 2022 and the way we are with people is very different with women. The way Uh women are with each other is very different to the way it was 4,000 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think when you think of the story of Hannah, she was treated badly by the other wife of Elkanah. And I think it's a cultural thing that women, you know, look out for number one. And remember, too, mm-hmm. the barrenness is a curse and a curse of, of God in these, this context. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose it's free reign to, to bully and mock the women who are barren. Um, and I think that the whole culture is so different to ours that, it's, it's easy for us to impose our culture upon the text and look for reasons to, oh, no, it's the Bible. It can't be wrong. Whenever throughout scripture we see ethnic cleansing, we see bullying, we see mm-hmm. women treated abominably, which is part of why we do this podcast. Yes. Slavery affirmed, you know, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So remember, a text without a context becomes a pretext very easily. And so I think I would, I would want to say Sarah was a woman of her time. Mm-hmm. And, and the good thing about that is that God rescued Hagar and didn't condemn Sarah's really poor behavior, as we see it in our context today, yeah. and still kept God's word to her that she would conceive and bear a son. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like her meddling with God's purposes. And I know I do that. and We all do that, where we try to make God move more quickly and, and at our time rather than God's time. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, curiously, in the, the again the the rabbinical documents I was reading about Sarah, Hagar was the daughter of Pharaoh, so giving her giving her Hagar was not about giving uh, Sarah uh, a a tool or a teapot, but about giving her his his greatest joy, to mm-hmm. be her handmaiden. And I, I kind of like that idea, mm-hmm. um, Even though I don't like the idea that still Hagar was in the Jewish tradition was considered, um. Uh, just a vessel to be. I, I think, think um, in Islam,
1: um, Higa actually was the second wife. So she yeah, was. So she yeah. wasn't a she wasn't a handmaiden. She was a she was a second
0: wife.
1: So she's elevated and has more status. Yeah. That's yeah. Like mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh uh-huh. So it's same, um, but it is um And I had read as well because I'm, I I'm kind of struggling to how she's considered how sarah's considered a, a prophetess as
0: well well sorry go ahead
1: but i had been reading a bit about this and uh, i think again this is it coming from the the midrash and the the jewish text that actually they see her as actually having more of the era gods yes. than abraham did yeah. and yeah. that she was able to um I think she was able to discern things better than Abraham and that actually and I think there's still a story as well around um there's a story around I you know her actually maybe Isaac you know going to be sacrificed as well you know right. that maybe she didn't agree with us right. um and so so, yes, that, that, that she was, she had the ear of God more than, more than Abraham.
0: There's a wee text in, the, and I, just, I had it written down somewhere, but I don't seem to be able to find it just now. Um, you know where she uh, says to Abraham, look, take Hagar, take my, my handmaiden as your concubine. Mm-hmm. And Abraham doesn't want to do it. But God tells Abraham, listen to her. And I think that's where a lot of this understanding that she's a prophetess because she has the ear of God, I think it's based on that, that text where, uh-huh. where God tells Abraham, listen to her. And again, the Midrash and the rabbinical writings go on to talk about how um, in no other household does the woman have the authority that Sarah has because of that verse. Ah, and I think that's where okay. the whole idea of her being a prophetess mm-hmm. and an influence comes from. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's curious stuff, but like or dislike, she gave birth to Isaac, who gave birth to Jacob, who gave birth to the twelve tribes. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know. So, uh, and I, I love, I love the breadth of God's love, not to be confined by the petty things where we would confine. Oh, I don't like her, you know, but doesn't matter whether we like her or not. God has purpose for Sarah. Yeah, uh, God has purpose for whosoever, whether they abide by a formula that we produce out of nowhere or that we base loosely on several texts and scripture. God had purpose and has purpose for us all. Mm. Uh, Yeah. And and again, in the rabbinical writings, um, we see that Sarah died around the age of 127. And of course, in the, the Old Testament as well. And Abraham bought some land. Um, near Hebron. there's a, By the way, if you're ever in the Holy Land, there's a brilliant glass factory in Hebron that does the most beautiful pottery, all handmade by local people. Um, so get yourself in there, I'll let you know about it. Um, so Hebron's about 19 miles south of Jerusalem, and that's where her burial site is. And interestingly, it's the first land that the Israelites owned, or, or God's people owned, in the land of Canaan. You know, oh. before the wilderness, before yes. the,
1: uh-huh.
0: the many battles. And uh-huh. that was paid for, as opposed to one through blood and guts and war. So that's oh, mm-hmm. interesting. And uh, I think that's the, the cave of the patriarchs it might be, actually. Yes. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. fascinating stuff. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I'm going to the Holy Land in November. Um, I'm maybe going to go and see it when I'm there. I'm going with a, a couple of pals. And then I'm going to go next year again in February. So, yeah, so, so interestingly, the story of, of Sarah and Pharaoh becomes a story of Abimelech and Sarah, the same story repeated in chapter Yes. So uh-huh. that, that tells us a wee bit about redaction and, and period of writing and who, who repeated and, and, and reported what. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting stuff to see how, how our scriptures are, are put together in our Old Testament in particular. So. Well, have you had enough of dear Sarah? Yeah, I think we'll move on
1: to move on to Hannah.
0: Yeah, yes. well, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Hannah, a palindrome. Her name means God has heard, and I love that. Oh, it's and beautiful. if you want sisters and brothers, if you're listening, uh, you can find her story beginning in First Samuel chapter one and goes on into chapter two. Um, Hannah basically is another barren woman. It's an interesting motif throughout Scripture, and Hannah has a. A husband named Elkanah, and he, Elkana has another wife named Penina, I believe. And mm-hmm. Penina has a clatter of wains, but poor Hannah has none. And of course, Penina rubs her nose in the dirt, and mocks her, and, mm-hmm. and humiliates her, and, and makes fun that she hasn't conceived. And every year they go to Shiloh as a family and to make their sacrifices. And Elkana gives a portion to Penina and all her children. Uh, for sacrificing. And of course, he adores Hannah. She's his preferred wife. He gives her a bit more, but it's still not as much as he gives Peninnah. Mm -hmm. And Hannah breaks her heart. And and this story in 1 Samuel 1, we hear that she can't even eat or drink. She's so distraught that she's barren. So she goes to the place of worship in Shiloh, and she's in there and she's crying out. She pours out her heart. I love that phrase. She pours out her heart to the Lord and old Eli the priest is there and of course she's not making a sound and he thinks she's drunk because he just sees her lips moving and he approaches her and says dear woman get out of here and stop the drink and she says to him you have misunderstood big time mister I am not drunk I am pouring out my heart to God because I have no children and I want to have a child and Eli realizes he's made a huge error and he blesses her and says be on your way And may God have heard your prayer. Well, lo and behold, Hannah then conceives. And part of Hannah's prayer is to say, oh Lord, if you give me a male child, I will dedicate him to you as a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite is simply um, a child, a boy who is dedicated to God from birth. Uh, uh, The boy never has his hair cut like Samson in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And he never drinks wine or takes any other kind of intoxication. So, of course, she conceives, gives birth and um, she does what she promises. She keeps her word and she doesn't give him to the Lord right away. She weans him. And in th- that time of, of history, weaning a child, the child could be as old as six or seven years old um, still suckling the mother's breast. Oh. So she doesn't go back to Shiloh. Instead, she enjoys the wee boy for herself. And then she, she keeps her word and she takes him to Eli and basically hands him over to the Lord to be the Lord's servant. And Eli embraces Samuel and he becomes Sam, uh, Eli's helper. Mm-hmm. And every year thereafter, Hannah makes a wee robe for him. I know, it's it's gorgeous, t-
1: that just breaks my heart.
0: It's lovely, isn't it? I know. So he wears the wee robe under the ephod. Now an ephod is basically a, like a wee breastplate that you wear over the top, and the priests and the high priests would wear it. You know, it's like we mini me's, and that's how children learn, isn't it? Yes, you know, uh, by, by dressing up in our clothes mm-hmm. and, and imitating us. So Hannah goes every year thereafter. And interestingly, um Eli keeps praying for the family. And Hannah goes on to bear three more sons and two daughters. But mm-hmm. so God heard her cry, God heard her, and answered her prayer, and she kept her promise. So, what do you make of Hannah?
1: Oh well, see, I really, uh, I, I really do love Hannah. I, I, I love Hannah, but I, I, my heart, my heart breaks for her. You know, mm. it, it just continually breaks for her because you know it's like a run. You know her unhappiness. You know that she can't have any children. You know, and that's desperation she feels. And then, then you know, you are so happy that she has the child, be Samuel. But then the fact that she see the fact she keeps her promise.
0: Yeah.
1: And and I think I'm not sure I would have. You know. Yeah. yeah. But then you think, well, she was blessed for keeping her promise. You know, yeah. she re- she really was, and. Uh, and what I find interesting as well is is like that the the scripture contrasts you know the children of you know the the other wife you yeah. know with Samuel you know because they're scoundrels they' they're like they really are you know they're bad lads <laughs> and you get you know Samuel you know who's um you know dedicated to the Lord but I just and but the fact that that Hannah keeps her promise. Yeah. I just think is oh it's just wonderful, just wonderful. And that you know, and then because you think she must, you know, she you can just imagine, Linda, the amount of love that goes yeah. into making the wee robes throughout yes.
0: the year. Oh, every wee stitch, every every thread that she weaves. Because she wouldn't go down to the shop and buy two rolls of linen. She would she would weave it, she would have to weave it from what wool or whatever. Uh-huh. Or, or grow flax seeds and, and make linen, whatever. The, the love and the dedication and I, I really value that when she hands over her beloved son to Eli to his care even though his two sons turn out to be well however many he had can't remember if it's two or more but his two sons turn out to be scoundrels we so end up being punished by God he nurtures that wee boy Samuel and he recognizes that this is a gift for, this boy's a gift from God to help him
1: mm-hmm. in his
0: old age and he nurtures him and nourishes him and loves him. But Hannah isn't left empty-handed. She has three more sons and yes. two daughters. Uh-huh. And I love that the provision of God is always abundance. Yes. And even if she hadn't had any more children, I have to believe. And maybe I'm harmonizing here, but it's my own experience. So my own experience is that God's abundance is it just cannot be, it cannot be measured and limited and restricted, and. I think it's about how we see his abundance to us, mm-hmm. you know, and how we respond to if we believe God is God, then we believe that that he knows our needs and he meets our needs, and then there's so much more after that. And I think it's all about our attitude. And I think her attitude to saying this is God's gift to me, Samuel is God's gift to me, so I will give him back to God. And and that's her way of, of honoring. God
1: acknowledging of her mm-hmm. so yeah it's um and it's it's such a hopeful story isn't it yeah, you know yeah. it really is yeah. and then because again I was a wee bit you know it's like looking into why you know she's considered you know a prophetess mm-hmm. and it's um it's that her song her song her prayer yes. that she has Song's incredible, ah uh-huh. yeah. You know yeah. it really is, isn't it? And it's um because it's foretelling what what's to come, you know. Which yeah. is um, and like it's
0: in the like... upside down kingdom, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or shadows and... Mary's song too. Mm-hmm. Yes, the song of I love the sense of almost she doesn't have to say anything to that that pin in it because her song says it all. You know, the strong are made weak. The the mockers are mocked um, because God can't be kept down. God's purpose cannot be thwarted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is a, a, a her name is, doesn't mean God is heard. Samuel means God is heard. I think her name means grace or favoured. And, and grace and favour is who and what Hannah reflects. And when she sings that song, it's all about grace and favour. It's all about grace and favour that we experience from the God of grace and favour, because mm-hmm. his favour is not what the world's favour is on. We think of our world and we look at who do we value and how do we value? We value by what salary we give. Man, I love football, don't get me wrong, I love it. But the wages they get are, and it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The like a nursery nurse gets or a nursery teacher gets. Uh-huh. Not right there. That imbalance. So, So what we favour... Um, is not what often often what God favors, and I love that God turns it upside down and says, "Here you come here. You might be barren now, mm-hmm. but you you will you will have fruit. And it may not be your womb's opened, but your fruit, the life you give, will be in another way. You might give life to children who aren't your own by birth, yes. but you might give life to children in different ways, or you might give life." um to a community or to an organization you might give life to um, music because life is not restricted to the womb in mm-hmm. any way shape or form Hannah did have a child and then five more but her song I think is what gives us hope yes. four thousand years later mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's just it's just wonderful isn't it and it's um, uh, is that way you know that gods I like God's abundance and just I that 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 there the, the, the can be God can bring life from anything. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, he brought Jesus out of the
1: tomb, didn't he? Aye. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it is, and it's like looking at how, you know, the, the barrenness of our lives, aye, uh, and like yeah. finding the life that that's there. Yeah. Um, and as it it's because it's as it a motif that, that goes throughout, you know, the Bible. Yeah. Um, um,
0: and
1: I think it's there's like, something.
0: Sorry. No, no, on you go. And I think there's something in the way she trusted the words of Eli, his blessing, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And there's something about how we respond to our prayers. Mm-hmm. You know we leave them with God and we say God I mean there's this wall of, of the eternal wall they're building uh, down in Newcastle down that way and it's a wall of answered prayer and it disturbs me because on the radio they talk about answered prayer and every prayer that they've publicized now for a couple of years has been a, a, an answer to prayer that is to do with material abundance or or healing um, and all yes it's all yes, but we forget that sometimes God says no or not yet. Mm-hmm. And, and I wish that they would put a prayer in that eternal wall of answered prayer that says, well, God said no, because it wasn't right for me. Mm-hmm. And, and this occasion, giving birth to a child was right for Hannah. Yes. There's other times in scripture where God says no. like a Joseph, Joseph in the cistern. Yeah. yeah. No there. And then he was in the jail. God said no mm-hmm. there you know, look at Jeremiah, many times God said no to Jeremiah, and we need to remember that either God's God or God's not God, and she trusted Eli's word, she left her prayers with God, and then she went on with her life, and she would come back next year, Um, but she'd gone year in, year out, and prayed to God, and God said no year in, year out, and then one year God said yes, and I think that we need to be really wise about our prayers, and know that if God says no, it's for the best, mm-hmm. and and not not wallow in misery, but wallow in love because God will offer an alternative. I wanted to be a nurse From my, I was a wee girl, from I was about five-year-old, I got nurses outfits for Christmas every year. <laughs> <laughs> I did first aid courses and everything. When I was 16, I got accepted to train as a, a children's nurse in Belfast. So mm-hmm. I went away to do 12 weeks in the summer, eight weeks in the summer of summer mission, ended up being 12, but eight weeks in the summer, and I was there about four weeks and my mommy phoned and then there was no email or mobile phones but she phoned the headquarters and said to me Linda you have to come home. I've opened a letter from the hospital saying they've changed their minds about you being a nurse. I was in pieces. Oh. and shivered. So I happened to be with um, a wee group of, of Christians who ran the Postal Sunday School holiday clubs mm-hmm. and my teacher from school who had known many years was with me. It was you know it was at the end of my school year and he said come and do summer mission for eight weeks with us and i went down and he said to me he called me agnes for no no reason other than just like the name agnes he said agnes dry your eyes stop that crying you either trust god or you don't you're not meant to be a nurse get on with it and i was shy <sighs> for all of five minutes and then I thought, Aye. what am i crying for what's the point point?" Mm-hmm. and i i lived back on my life and i couldn't have been a nurse I'm so grateful I I didn't have that training. So I think we have to trust that God knows best and God's abundance Uh and go on, just get on and keep praying and saying, your will be done. Yes. Mm -hmm. She trusted Eli, go in peace. She went in peace, not in pieces. She went in peace Mm -hmm. and trusted that her prayer was heard. And then she trusted that whatever God decided, whatever God's abundance was for her, She'd be happy with it. She'd accept it, and she'd celebrate it—not mm-hmm. defeated, but Aye. celebrate it and keep praying the prayer.
1: Mm-hmm. I know it's a wonderful example for us. It really is. Uh, so, Linda, we um, we usually think about something happening in in our own time, in our own worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that links in with what we've been discussing. And I was thinking about, you know, we can't really get past, you know, Ukraine, you know, yeah. and they, you know, just, oh, it, it's just so heartbreaking what's happening in Ukraine. And I was thinking about the parents, you know, who have been, you know, getting their children to safety, yes. the Ukrainian yes. parents getting their children to safety, you know, trusting, you know, that they're going to be looked after. Yes. And then... Going back to Ukraine, either, you know, it be working, you know, maybe in the hospitals or doing something or fighting, mm-hmm. you know, for, for their nation. And it really is um when I was thinking what would you know what would work, you know, what would tie in with this week's that I, I couldn't get past. I couldn't get past anything yes. else
0: yeah. I mean the sacrifices that people are making, um, it beggars belief. And I suppose Hannah and and Moses' mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then these women in Ukraine who are handing and trusting their their very selves to their beloved children, to strangers, to the likes of us in foreign countries and hoping that we'll treat them like they were our own and Mm -hmm. love them and cherish them. It just beggars belief that they're able to do this. Um, And my hope and prayer would be that people who are looking after those children will see um, the privilege, the honor, the vast responsibility, and that those children will come to no harm, mm-hmm. but will know blessing, and will know love and kindness and generosity. You know, it's, it's hard, um, but that's what a mother's love is. I'm not a mother, um, but I have motherly instincts, and yeah. I have lots of children that I'm motherly towards, mm-hmm. and I can't conceive of thinking how hard it must be to hand your own flesh and blood over and and I hope and pray that those children, as I said, are, are placed with people who will cherish them, you know. Yes. Could you imagine giving your Michael or a real over? Oh,
1: I know. I just I just can't get my head around it, you know. But you know, you think if if the situation's that bad, you mm-hmm. do want you want them to get to safety. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want them to stay there. You, that's that you're like and you would do it.
0: It reminds you know. me too of the Vietnamese War, you know, in Vietnam, mm-hmm. where they were having their babies to the American soldiers. I can't get escaped. I can't escape, but I can get my child. Take my child, please, please, and yeah. they were taken to safety in America. Yeah. You know, it's. I suppose it reminds me that we're all responsible for each other. Yes. We're all, you yeah. know that that African uh, saying that it takes a village to raise a child, and I think I think we. Regardless of religious label or, or ethnic uh, background or, or whatever, we we must love each other, and particularly we must love the children. The children aren't born biased or aren't born um, bigots or aren't born prejudiced. We make them that way, and I think that it's really important that we, we show these children, whoever they may be, whoever they belong to um, physically, yes. that they belong to us and we belong to them. Mm-hmm. And, and try to reflect and, and mirror God's understanding of, of humanity, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, but God bless them and we commit them all to, to God and, and those dear Ukrainians who, who are struggling. And I and, you know Vladimir Putin is also somebody's son. Yeah. You know, he's somebody's child and he has children of his own. What goes through his mind, I, I can't begin to understand and frankly I wouldn't want to be in his head or his mind, but uh, it's easy for me to judge him and condemn him, but I just uh, uh, I keep praying for him that somehow God will transform him and mm-hmm. his whole cabinet
1: and yes. the Russian
0: Orthodox leadership, yes. the Church leadership, um, mm-hmm. but it's easy isn't it? It's easy to judge, find wanting, and we can't see what he's doing wrong, I'm not saying he's not He's, he's, he's wrong. I'm not saying he's right and justified. He's anything but and the wickedness and, and the evil that he's perpetrating. Um, it just, it's, it's beggars belief. But we have to keep praying for him and praying for solutions, peaceful solutions. We don't want children to have to leave home. We don't want children to ter- return to cities and villages where their houses are no longer in existence. We have to start building schools and hospitals and mm-hmm. recreating community again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think our time is up, my dear. Yes, uh, it'll be lovely to see you and have a blend. We don't know who we're doing next month. Though. We don't know who we're talking about.
1: No, but it's one of your American friends who's joining us. We've got special guests. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. yes Anne wyrick She's a retired pastor with the Presbyterian Church USA, and Anne has wonderful insights and would be very different in her thinking, I suppose, to the average um, female minister in the Church of Scotland. Or indeed most clergy women, and I'm looking forward to introducing her to you and to our our audience and ladies and and gentlemen if you're there is there anybody you want us to talk about female wise in scripture is there anybody's caught your attention send us a wee email we'd love to hear from you is there anything you agree with disagree with that you want to know more about um we appreciate and value your wisdom your insight and your opinion we may agree or disagree that's neither here nor there But we need to hear your voice. Women's voices are important. And like Hannah, we want to hear your song. What is your song? Mm -hmm. What is different about your song? What is the same about your song? So don't be shy. Send us an email. and We'd love to hear from you. And equally, we had Christine a few few podcasts ago, a couple of podcasts ago. Christine, if you want to join us again, give us a shout. And, And if there's anybody else out there, male or female, who would like to come and join us, and give your insight and and your opinion, we would welcome you as well. Don't be shy, I'd love to hear from you. But for now, it's goodbye from Laura. Bye everyone. And it's goodbye from me. Glimpse your worth and your wonder and know that you're the beloved child of the living God. Rest in God. Bye for now, friends.